by studying God's Word, they've learned about the love of Jesus and the power of God transformed people's lives. Hello and welcome to the Word in Action podcast from Bible League International. I'm your host, Michael Woolworth. Malaysia in Southeast Asia is one of the largest Muslim-majority countries in the world. It's also a place where some people live steeped in spiritual darkness as animists. And it's a place where Bible League has a very strong presence through programs like Project Philip and Bible-based literacy. From the beautiful city of Mary to the jungles near the South China Sea, my colleague Romy and I visited Malaysia earlier this year, and today on this episode, we present to you our travel log. You and I made this trip mm-hmm. to uh, Malaysia. You know, we were in two different parts of that country. You know, again, this is in Southeast Asia, right? You and I were in the uh, modern, vibrant city of uh, of Mary, M-I-R-I. And then we mm-hmm. were also in the jungles of, you know, Malaysia there, uh, just off the South uh, China Sea. That was a little more remote, yeah. right? Um, we'll, we'll parse down uh, each of those uh, areas that we were in. But, uh, Romy, overall, what was your impression of Malaysia? I know you've been to this country before, but what was your overall mm-hmm. uh, impression of Malaysia in terms of uh, its people? People, the beauty of the country, you know, the food, the culture. Talk about uh, what what you saw and experienced uh, in uh, Malaysia. I think it's a very, very diverse uh, in terms of culture and we can say food. And also in terms of uh, religion, uh, not only that they have different religions being practiced there, uh, but the Christian denomination itself is very diverse. So I guess inherently, uh, you, we can definitely find diverse cultural uh, practices in the country. But uh, the good thing about there in Malaysia, particularly in, in Sarawak, where we visited and stayed for a week, hmm. <laughs> this diverse community respects one another they do not collide. They do it with so much uh, respect for one another. Mm. They, they they treat you as their countrymen, not as to what tribe or religion you came from. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're not going to focus uh, really too much on this today, but it is uh, it is one of the larger Muslim-majority countries um, in the world. Yeah. We saw evidence of that. You know, when you and I were in Mary City, I mean, you know, you know, I got a chance to, to walk around and, you know, experience the food, the, the, the culture, went to this beautiful marina. It was just an absolutely picture-perfect day, uh, Romy. Uh, I, I remember saying to you, you know, I'm from the Chicago area, and, you know, Navy Pier is a very popular attraction here. And if we were at Navy Pier, boy, it'd be loud, you know, parents— screaming at their kids, you know, get back over here. This place was just, it was quiet. There was a, there was a calm. People were definitely visiting, but they were very respectful of each other. So I'm glad you pointed out the people were very hospitable. They treated us very, very well. And we found out at least the part of the the country that we were in um, that, you know, Christians and Muslims, some places, you know, that can be oil and water, can it? I mean, there there can be a lot of tension there. It seemed like they lived at peace with each other. They contributed to, uh, you know, a a beautiful country, and we saw that in, in Mary City. It was a joy. Uh, it was a joy to do that. Yeah. You and I were in that city. Uh, we went to a, a program called uh, Kenosis. This is a place that's helping men to overcome substance abuse. Um, <laughs> you and I found out that some of these men were there voluntarily; others were ordered there by the courts. But the, they yeah. use Bible League materials to help these men uh, move forward in life to to uh, to deal with their addictions. 
Romy, we met some incredible men uh, that day. Uh, talk about our time at uh, Kenosis and maybe one or two of those men uh, that you remember uh, meeting. You are correct, uh, Michael. The inmates there, uh, or maybe that's how they call themselves, but I prefer to call them students. So they serve their time at the rehabilitation center for at least 15 months minimum. So some of them uh, came to the rehab center voluntarily, and some are serving their terms uh, mm. after conforming to, to their time in prison for being caught in some drug bypass operations. The Malaysian local government uh, is actually utilizing uh, Kenosis Drug Rehabilitation Center to turn these young people away from drug addiction. Mm. And praise the Lord, because in 2020, uh, Pastor Morris, the National Director of Bible League Malaysia, uh, introduced the Bible League's Project Philip Bible Study Program in Kenosis as part of their curriculum there. This program, uh, the Project Philip uh, Bible Study Program, benefited a lot of students there who at some point in time of their life have tried to end it um, because they thought their case was hopeless. Romy, one of the guys I remember we talked to said, you know, I came to see this program, not as God's judgment on me, but yeah. his mercy, right? He brought me to a place where, where I could I could get away from addiction. This is the hardest yeah. fight of my life, this man said. And uh, Romy, so well, uh, you were able to capture some of the stories. Talk about at least one, maybe two of the guys that you had mm-hmm. a chance to sit down with there at Kenosis. Um, and this particular young man, his name is Dale, he's from the Kalavitz tribe, said that uh, getting to the rehab alone is not enough for him to turn away from his 14 years of drug addiction. Hmm. And he said it's really a challenge uh, uh, to turn away from that dependence um, without the intervention of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thankfully, because of Bible League Malaysia's partnership with the Kenosis, they now study the Bible as part of their curriculum. So by studying God's Word, they've learned about the love of Jesus and the power of God to transform people's lives. And now according to Dale, his mother is so happy to see the change in his life. Mm -hmm. And these students... They are reaching out to their families to share the gospel using the Project Philip program itself so that their own community uh, will get the chance to experience what, what they did when they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Yeah, you know, it was a joy, too, uh, to see some of these men. <clears throat> they had come through the program, and, and many had stayed around to become mentors for other men that had come through those programs. They said, look, my life is all about the grace and mercy of God. You know, he's helping me in the day-to-day of, of recovery, which, you know, can last a lifetime, can it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember one of the other men saying, you know, we, we've learned not to be at peace with our sin, with with, with uh, substance abuse. And uh, you could tell the repentance, which genuine, their walk with Jesus, it was real. And uh, Jesus had made a, a big difference uh, in their lives. Robbie, remember when we left uh, that uh, little campus, uh, all of those men, 30 or so yeah. men, lined up. You know, I <laughs> felt like up. I was like an all-star athlete, you know, mm-hmm. and they <laughs> high-fived us. We took a picture with them. Romy, yep. it was absolutely beautiful. You know, I spoke very little Malay. Some of those guys spoke mm-hmm. English, uh, and very few of those uh, spoke, you know, a ton of English. But we were kindred spirits with those guys, weren't we? I mean, just followers of Christ. Definitely. And again, our joy was to be there uh, to hear what, what God had, had, had done through them. 
you and I hopped on a, a bus trip after that. And let me say this, our, our host, uh, again, the man, uh, Pastor Maurice, uh, you mentioned him earlier, did an incredible mm-hmm. job, he and his staff, of putting together this trip for us. I always feel like wherever I travel in the world, Romy, you probably feel the same way. Those staff really take these trips seriously. They're very organized. They keep us moving. They wear us out, frankly, don't they? Because they're connecting us with so many you know, end users of Bible materials and, and Bibles. But Pastor Maurice and his staff did an incredible job, and he was with us there uh, right to the yeah. end. I know he had to leave for a training. Uh, he had to fly out to another part of Malaysia, but he was there with us. And we got on this bus, you'll remember, we traveled uh, three hours. Uh, we went to a He's very remote... Hands on. Yeah, we went to a very remote part of uh, of Malaysia. I'll let you talk about that uh, in in just a moment. Uh, and we met uh, P- um, Elder Leslie. Yeah, everybody needs an Elder Leslie in their life, right? <laughs> I mean, this was a man definitely that uh, you know he was he was he was uh, ma- he was materially and he was spiritually blessed. He had a hand in the oil and gas business, uh, mm-hmm. which has been very good to Malaysia. And um, the, you know, the people that may have not had a much um, materially needed to see this was a man who had things, but the things did not have him. You know what I'm saying? And he, yeah. he used all of that to the glory of God, not only his his material wealth, but just a, a incredible amount of knowledge. But uh, Romy, you and I stayed on this farm. I know before we went, we heard a little bit about it. You know, no electricity, no running water. Uh, you know, we might have to go without, you know, you know access to the internet or our phone service uh, for a little while. That kind of worried me a little bit. But uh, talk <laughs> talk about when you you and I arrived at uh, the farm of uh, of Elder Leslie. Michael, to be honest with you, uh, I came from the Philippines, so it's not really a challenge for me to adjust to the tropical environment there mm. at Elder Leslie's house. I'm more worried about you <laughs> uh, because we have to endure three nights without AC, uh, without hot shower, and without internet. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, you know, I can tell you, Romy, you know, I had left Chicago in February, which it's bitterly cold there, right? But uh, I can tell you when it's the when it's the hot months here. Yeah, you're right. I, I would not go very long without having, you know, some cold <laughs> air conditioner blowing on me. But yeah, because it was monsoon season, you know, it wasn't the, the sunniest, the mm-hmm. brightest during the day. So we often went without, you know, uh, you know, the benefit of solar power uh, in, 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 in the evening. So we kind of both suffered through it, but I think you handle it like a man versus me. <laughs> I was a little wimpy. Uh, we experienced the best night there, sleeping under the sound of the soothing tropical rain. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. The sound of the geese and cicadas. Uh, it was such an unforgettable experience. Yeah, and I'm so thankful yeah. to God for having that serenity. Yeah, and Elder Leslie was very accommodating. Uh, he gave us, uh, remember that Ling Z tea? I think it's yeah. like reishi mushroom or something. You know, it was very potent. Mm-hmm. A lot of caffeine <laughs> in this thing, you know. Uh, yeah, he was a great host. And uh, you could tell he had a great love Definitely. for the Longhouse people. That's primarily the, 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 you know, our topic today is the Longhouse people. Romy, talk about the Longhouse people. What, what, what is this concept? What is this all about? Who are the Longhouse people there in Malaysia? People in the Longhouse are primarily close relatives, uh, community groups. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Longhouse people are one of the most hospitable, most lovely, friendly communities oh. I've ever encountered in my entire trip throughout yeah. Asia. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And I think they are proud in terms of heritage and culture. And yet, uh, meeting them, they are so humble and down-to-earth when it comes to treating one another, especially treating us as their visitors. 
they really made us feel at home and yeah. part of their family. Mm. And in particular, I love the family of Pastor Johnny. You remember him? Yeah, I sure do. Yes. We met almost the whole clan of Pastor Johnny and Sister Tara when we visited their longhouse. And I remember during the time of our planning, I tried to do my research about the longhouse. Mm. But there's not enough information out there regarding longhouses because no outsider can come inside the longhouse unless uh, the headmaster or, or the chieftain will allow you. Yes. And we were blessed to be given the privilege to visit at least three longhouses which are the ministry areas of our Philips. Yeah, yeah. And Romy, if I may, let me just chime in. You know, a longhouse is just that. I mean, if you can picture a longhouse, maybe as long mm. as a soccer field, you know, maybe a little smaller in some instances. <laughs> but you're right. It's families that live here. It's it's a great-grandparents, grandparents, mm. uh, mom and dad. It's it's aunts and uncles. It's cousins, you know, second cousins. Uh, they, they all lived in harmony, didn't they? they uh, you know, I was a little envious, frankly, at how close yeah. these families were. I mean, you would think that they'd be stepping over each other. I mean, they all had kind of had their individual, you remember they called them doors. Here in America, mm-hmm. we might call those apartments. But again, this concept that dates back thousands of years in Asia, and again, it, it was hard for me to kind of wrap my uh, my mind around until I actually saw it. I thought, boy, these families, they have something very, very special. Uh, Romy, talk about, um, you know, this this uh, this family, uh, uh, Johnny, I know his, uh, his, his mm. we've met his wife, of course, his daughter, uh, Shalom, yeah. uh, very um, astute uh, in the not only Malay and Ebon. Ebon was the primary language spoken in uh, that part of Malaysia where you and I were at, but also in English. She was really our translator, yeah. wasn't she? Very, very talented girl. Oh. And we managed to interview some of the locals there, uh, particularly her mother uh, yeah. named Sister Tara. Yes. Um, I remember Sister Tara mentioned uh, that when she came to know the Lord, uh, she was only using her personal testimony to share God's love. Love, uh, yeah. to her community, which is not wrong. That is because she, she doesn't know how to teach the Bible at that time. Mm. Uh, but uh, when she participated in the Project Philip Bible Study Training, sharing the Word of God has been a lot easier for her because she had a guide that she could follow and the materials from the Bible in Malaysia come in handy for our uh, Bible study leaders there. Listeners, you know uh, what Project Philip is. That really is the cornerstone of our ministry and has been for decades. Uh, you know, Philip is the evangelist in uh, Acts 8. He leads that Ethiopian eunuch to faith in Christ. He's positioned to be able to say, you know what, you're, you're reading from Isaiah about the suffering servant, the Messiah who has come. And in the spirit of that, Philip, we held crave Philips all over the world. And yeah, you and I, uh, Romy, were able to see these men, these women who were living out their Christian faith, and they were doing it in such an admirable way, um, hospitable with each other. They were pouring their lives into each other. And as you say, they now had a framework. They were able to uh, share Christ through the training that uh, Pastor Maurice uh, and, and others uh, were able to bring uh, to their remote uh, village there. Uh, in Malaysia. You and I also saw Bible-based literacy in, in action. Mm-hmm. Let me say this. Um, you know, they speak about 300 languages uh, in Malaysia in an attempt to unify the country around mm-hmm. one language. They've made English compulsory for um, kids, right? All the kids in the government schools are required to take English. That's one of the reasons why Shalom was so fluent in the English language. Again, she spoke Malay, she spoke Ebon, she spoke English. You know, if you're you're a you know young child starting out in your, your educational pursuit, you know, at five, six years of age, you're probably 
probably going to learn English pretty quickly, aren't you? But for the, you know some of the some of the adults that we met, I remember Julia. Uh, she and I bonded because my wife is Julia, right? She thought that was absolutely mm-hmm. uh, fantastic. But you know, in her fifties, Romy, you remember this uh, dear woman? Yeah, had never been able to access education, right? She said, "I've mm-hmm. I've not been able to read a recipe or a government <laughs> document." But boy, was she excited! She was among those that were excited that Bible League provided Bible-based literacy. Um, Romy, talk about that. Uh, Bible League Malaysia was able to have this partnership in some local schools uh, to teach Bible-based English literacy, which is very, very beneficial to the students because uh, English is one of the most essential language to learn because it's more universal and learning English language is a life-changing credential in terms of a future career for Asian people. And for us Asians, the English language is a significant advantage uh, when looking for a more stable job. So academic groups and organizations are embracing the Bible-based English literacy program and the community is grabbing the opportunity to learn the English language by participating in these classes. And the best part of this program is that this is Bible-based. So not only that they are learning the English language, but uh, they are also learning the Bible at the same time. Yeah, the Bible is the source of the reading assignment. So there's there's verses that they'll read together, right? And, and you can see yeah. uh, people like Julia. You know, we're excited to be able to uh, you know in, in, engage uh, in in the English language, and she was getting it. Uh, I remember they clapped. Boy, they were excited for each yeah. other, right? It was absolutely a joy to to see that, and how how providential that God would allow Bible League uh, to develop this program uh, many many years ago, right? And then to mm-hmm. see it come alive uh, there uh, in the jungles of Malaysia was absolutely uh, beautiful. Romy, as we uh, continue through our uh, our experience uh, there in Malaysia, you and I made this trip uh, back in uh, February. Uh, we learned quickly a lot of these people are, are former animists. You know, an animist is somebody who, um, you know, we can say steeped in spiritual darkness, you know. Uh, they believe their spirits and places and things. You know, they're very superstitious. Um, they wear amulets. Um, you remember one of the stories, uh, Romy, was uh, a monthly ritual that they had to go through. They would um, sacrifice um, a chicken. They would take the blood. You remember this? Somewhat graphic, isn't it? Yeah. But they would put the blood in the three different jars, uh, and they had to be very careful to get the amounts of blood just right. If not, they would they would not appease the gods, right? That they knew really nothing about. And I remember one of the, um, I think it was a grandmother in one of these families um, died on on one of the, the you know the nights that they were sacrificing the uh, the blood of this uh, this chicken, right? And of course they were they were in fear for their lives. Again, very clearly, no Jesus, right? In O Jesus, no peace. In O peace, right? But to know Jesus is to know peace. K N O W. And we yeah. saw that in the lives of many of these uh, these uh, Christians. Again, former animist. Romy, one of the stories we heard, and you and I uh, met this beautiful little girl. I you know, I didn't catch her name. I don't. I didn't write that down in my notes. But she was there with her grandparents. Uh, her, her her grandfather, her, her grandmother. Her parents were day laborers, and so they weren't able to join us that day for those trainings and the fellowship we had. But her story was this. Um, she was on death's doorstep. You remember the story that she would not take the nourishment of her mother and she was dying very, very quickly. Um, the only thing the shaman could do, the spiritual advisor for their community, the only thing that person could do was kind of curse the illness, right? The uh, circumstance mm-hmm. of this this family. But, a, but, but God brought a Christian into their lives who prayed that the little girl's health would be restored. And immediately, I mean, God answered that prayer very, very quickly. And in grateful response, 
wants. Uh, this family, you know, abandoned their animist beliefs and became yeah. uh, believers. And we saw this little beautiful girl and her grandfather, Romy, I remember telling me, God fattened her up for his glory and honor. And he did. She was a beautiful yeah. little girl and a testament mm-hmm. to what uh, God is doing in uh, Malaysia. You know, Romy, I, I'm, I'm in the Chicago area. You know, I don't always wake up and think about uh, the Bentulu district, the part of the world that we were in there in Malaysia. But God hasn't forgotten, has he? I mean, he's he's all about redeeming the world. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw the nations to myself. And what a joy for you and I to see that in Malaysia. Any other thoughts about just the area that we were in there, uh, there in the jungles of uh, Malaysia? We saw developments going on in the remote places, particularly in the Bintulu area. Yeah. Yeah, let us pray that these developments will pave the way for Bible League Malaysia to reach out to more people mm. in those uh, remote places. And we saw the dedication of Pastor Morris, his wife, his whole family. Yeah. In God's ministry, so let us continue to pray for their health. Uh, remember, Pastor Morris mentioned that he doesn't want to stop serving God in the Bible League <laughs> ministry unless the Lord asks him to to rest. Yeah, I remember Maurice, a lot of energy, Seven in, in his 70s now. You know, he said, I, I have no intention of, uh, you know, shutting down and resting anytime soon. And, and uh, Romy, when you and I were there back in February, remember we said, uh, hey, how busy is your schedule in the coming months? They have a, they had a training at that point every single yeah. week. You remember that? They do it on the weekend to be accommodating to people that have to work weekend, as yeah. day laborers, whatever their occupation is. But, but, but no exaggeration, every single week there was some type mm-hmm. of a training to help people get grounded the Word of God to be able to share Christ there in Malaysia. And that's that's what we, we saw firsthand. It was absolutely a joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Romy, in our final moments together, any other thoughts on uh, that trip you and I are, were able to take uh, to Malaysia? Yeah, aside from our planned interview with some of the locals there, I'm so happy that we have all these, some ambush interviews mm. <laughs> uh, along the way, particularly the that story of that baby girl that you mentioned yeah. earlier. So these are amazing stories that not only inspires us, that we can also bring back home and share with the people uh, around the globe. Well, Romy, it was a joy to make that trip with you and then to relive all those precious memories on today's podcast. Uh, You know, for sure, God is doing amazing things in Malaysia through the ministry of Bible League and the amazing people we met there. And our prayer is for more of it. Friends, thank you for listening and for supporting Bible League with your prayers and financial gifts. Will you follow Bible League on social media? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can sign up for our e-newsletter and verse of the day and learn more about becoming a monthly sower at BibleLeague.org. That's BibleLeague.org. And let us know how today's program impacted you. Email us at podcast at BibleLeague.org. I'm Michael Woolworth for the Word in Action podcast.